Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hey, how goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report. Greetings today from Studio B on Airline Drive. I'm Sean Kelly, and this is the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. No appointment radio on a Thursday is a dandy. We've got some good guests for you today. And we're anxious to share John Clayton from ESPN and Doug Mouton from WWL Television. Uh, that, of course, is of note. And then, of course, we have a Pelicans win to talk about from last night at the Smoothie King Center. Make it three in a row right now for the Pels. One more to go on this homestand, Miami, tomorrow night. So um, everybody's in a good mood around here today, despite the uh, continued gloom outside. Um, and uh, I hope everybody was okay after that accident on I-10 this morning. Uh 13 cars, Diesel? Did you uh, have any trouble getting him to work today? He's good. All right, great. Um, so there you go. There's the hiccup in the day traffic-wise. I didn't think I was going to mention that, but uh, since that was the only thing anybody wanted to talk about this morning on television and radio, uh, obviously got ingrained into my uh, into my noggin here. So uh, it is what it is. We are closely watching those standings, aren't we? I mean, come on. Is this not fun or what as we get toward the end of the month? The Pelicans staying relevant with another win last night despite being shorthanded. Uh, Phoenix, I think, was a winner last night, so they stay right behind the Pelicans. Oklahoma City has a big game tonight, I want to say at Portland. Phoenix, excuse me. Oh, that's right. They're head-to-head tonight. Ugh, who do we want to win? I think Phoenix. Yeah, we need we need Oklahoma City to take one on the chin here. They've won seven straight. But, ah, this is where I was going from last night. San Antonio lost again. Um, that's four straight now for them. I think they're going to get okay when they take on Sacramento next. But the Spurs have lost four in a row. I'm not ready to pull them back into the picture just yet. But uh, there is an outside possibility that maybe seven and eight in the West are in play. So we'll hopefully keep the good thing going. Miami tomorrow night, that's a big one. And then a road game on Sunday at Denver. Let's not look too far ahead uh, from that. Uh, in just a moment, we'll take a quick break, and then I'll get you some of the stuff that you may not have heard from last night's Pelicans win over the, excuse me, over the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, and then we'll jump into John Clayton and Doug Mouton. Get to know those guys a little bit more. And John Clayton's got some fantastic stuff for us as uh, NFL free agency is looming, and we wrap up 
uh, basically we wrap up our conversation about the NFL Combine from a national level with John Clayton today. So stay with us. Glad you're with us here on this Thursday. I think that you'll be glad that you came by. We'll take our first break, and then we'll go back and look at last night's 102-96 win at the Smoothie King Center. I'm Tom Richards. I'm 35 years old, vice president of sales at a regional paper company. Six months ago, we decided to transition to one of those cool collaborative open space offices. So now I sit in the open next to three other sales managers, which means there's nothing separating me from... (coughs) Not getting Carl's nasty cold and missing a sales opportunity this winter? That is my purpose. Blend it now. Try the Immune Builder Smoothie at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to stay healthy this winter. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Brown thinking about coming to their feet here. I wish everybody would get up here. Evans spins with a dribble. Attacks the right side of the lane. Throws wing left. Pondexter for three. Bang! Career high. 25 for Quincy Pondexter. And that may have just done it. Pelicans lead 101-93 with 49.9 seconds to go. That's Quincy Pondexter. He hit a big, big shot last night in a big, big night for him. Career high is... You just heard during the highlight from last night's game, career-high 25 for Quincy Pondexter, 9 of 13 in all, uh, shooting the basketball, 4 of 8 from beyond the arc, clearly his best game yet as a Pelican. I think that's, <laughs> I think that goes without saying when you have a career-high. But uh, in light of the situation where the Pelicans were shorthanded and in light of the situation that Pondexter had struggled the last couple in his first couple of starts now for the Pelicans, it's huge. And it seems right now the Pelicans have a different guy stepping up on a different night in the absence of Davis, Anderson, and Holiday. Um, more from Quincy in just a moment. Tyreek Evans, despite having flu-like symptoms, gets another nice assist total. It's 11 last night to go along with 15 points. That's another double-double for him. And then uh, even Dante Cunningham. Two points shy of his season high. His 13 proved uh, large as the starters kind of took the mantle from the bench guys from Monday, carried the load, and the Pelicans now are at 30 wins. How about that? Before the end of February for the first time since the 10-11 season. New Orleans now 30-27, and and certainly it was a pleased Monty Williams after the win. Coach, another win that almost speaks to the identity that your team has now found itself with. Yeah, just a tough group. Um, We didn't play well in that second quarter defensively and it just looked like things were falling apart Um, but our guys stayed with it we didn't make any adjustments at halftime we said we're going to do what we said uh, we were going to do in the beginning of the game the right way before we make an adjustment and um, our guys came out in the second half and played pick and roll defense a lot better than we did in the first uh, or the second quarter and then again we got so many uh, contributions tonight six guys and double figures and guys making plays for each other. Uh, the bench energy is great. And uh, Quincy obviously had a great night shooting the ball and defensively. Uh, but just a, a tough, tough team win for us. And it's good to get a, that kind of win in front of our fans. Coach, in the third quarter offensively, I think there was 10 straight empty trips. And then you ripped off the 17-12 run 
to end the third? What, what switch was hit? What started to go right offensively? Well, for us, our offense is always a lot better when we get stops. Um, we were, were moving the ball so much better. I mean, we had 26 assists and probably could have had more. Uh, we had you know, one down quarter for me. That, that third quarter, we started off slow, but the ball movement is great. Um, and you have guys out there spacing the floor, like Luke and Quincy, when they knock down shots, it just opens up the gate for Tyreek and Norris. Uh, he just figures out a way to get in there. If he doesn't have the shot, he knows how to find guys. And Lexi had some good buddy ball assist tonight um, in the paint. Coach, you started Quincy two straight times here earlier, uh, and he's really struggled. I think he was 3 of 12. He just goes crazy tonight. Was there something that he felt more comfortable about? No, I, I think he just took those last two games personally. Um, he's been in the gym, as he always is, but he was in the gym working on his shot. And, uh, he, he knew he could play a lot better. I wasn't worried about his shot, even though I liked the fact that he was making it. I was more concerned with our defense on the ball, and that's what he does. I think that gets him going. I didn't take him out in the second half, so you got to be in great condition to play that way, and that's what he does. He conditions his body, and I think he, he probably felt pretty bad about the way he played the last couple games. Before I take up everybody else's time here, one quick question. You've won three straight now. Is the next step for this team a run of significance? I mean, a lengthy win streak now for your team. Well, we, we're going to do what I said we were going to do um, weeks ago. That's take one game at a time. You know, if we can get on the streak, that'd be great. We all would love it. But my focus is on tomorrow's practice and in trying to be the best team we can be um, next time we step on the floor. Coach, thanks. Thank you. Sometimes after a win uh, or even a loss, you just get the one soundbite from Coach Williams for, from wherever you're taking in your sports news. One thing we get to do here, a luxury, is to uh, replay that entire visit uh, here on the Black and Blue Report. Speaking of visits, let's go back to Quincy Pondexter, who was still smiling in the locker room last night. I didn't play good the last two games, and you know I, I had to play better. And I didn't want to be the reason our team lost, so um, you know I had a little extra motivation tonight. <laughs> was there anything in particular that you that you did though? I mean, shooting is such a rhythm thing, and it's so hard to um, predict or control. Yeah, you yeah. just you know took my shots confidently. Uh, Tyreek was finding me, and guys were finding me and just this one of those nights that happened and um, you know it was hopefully I could have a couple more of those this year but um, you know I was just playing within the game and trying to trying to get our team to win. Monty, Monty mentioned that you played the entire second half was it one of those nights where you weren't going to be tired no matter no, I was tired. You know, I, was, I was definitely tired. He, he asked me if I wanted to come out early in the fourth, and I was like, no. And I thought he was going to take me out a few minutes later, but he ended up keeping me in. And those last four or five minutes was really just um, all heart. What's the key to you getting you know, the, the open threes you got? You got some open ones. Um, I, I, I got to watch the tape, but, you know, our guards were, our guards were just really finding me um, all night. And, um, you know, I didn't take too many threes. I just, you know, just made the ones that, that I got. And, um, you know, I've taken more threes probably in the game this year. But, you know, it just, I made some big ones tonight. What about you? You said that after um, shoot around, you guys got to step up. I mean, different guys got to step up and fill that role for these guys that's injured. Uh, what was your mindset tonight as far as living up to that? Exactly what I said. It was, um, you know, guys got to step up. Missing Ryan, missing AD, missing Drew. You know, those are great players, great young players. And um, we're in a playoff chase, and, you know, I have to step up. And, um, you know, next night it might be somebody else. Uh, that's what, just how our team has been lately. And we see what the, the end goal is, and 
um, we know it's at stake, and we're trying to get there. That's Quincy, of course, with the media following the Pelicans' win. They're back at it tomorrow night against the Miami Heat. There are a very limited amount of tickets for the game tomorrow night. Uh, there's a big giveaway with the Pelicans' scarf. You know the ones that the soccer you see the soccer fans wearing all the time? It's kind of that style. Um, and it should be a lot of fun as Dwayne Wade and uh, company come to town tomorrow to wrap up the homestand at the Smoothie King Center. Uh, a note on the Monty Williams show before we get out of here today, but let's take a quick timeout and bring in John Clayton from ESPN and turn our attention to the NFL in just a moment. The future is now for the New Orleans Pelicans as all-star Anthony Davis has become one of the elite players in the NBA. 2015-16 season tickets are now on sale, so make sure to secure early bird pricing and receive special gifts as part of our parade of prizes. Season ticket holders receive great benefits, including access to exclusive team events, plus savings on concessions and merchandise. Be part of the best fan experience in the NBA by calling 525-HOOP or visiting pelicans.com today. Basketball fans from all over Louisiana are invited to the Louisiana High School Boys and Girls All-Star Basketball Games being held in Shreveport at the Hirsch Coliseum on Saturday, March 21st. The best players from Louisiana will put on an exciting display of showmanship. Tickets are only $10 and games start at 1 p.m. Check out hotels and other things to do at Shreveport-Bossier.org or call 888-45-VISIT. Everything you need to know about the Saints and Pelicans is right here on the Black and Blue Report. Our next guest here on the Black and Blue Report is a true journalist, and that's why we love to have him. He makes a return visit here to us down in New Orleans, and that's John Clayton, NFL analyst for ESPN and ESPN.com. John, it's been a while. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. We are enjoying a, a pretty good NBA season, and uh, certainly now football gets pushed back up toward the front burner, as uh, it's always there for you, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, particularly now this time of year, because this is kind of the intriguing time, because we're on the almost on the eve of free agency. As you can see, each day, each hour, you know, teams are tr- starting to let players go, revise their cap, restructure contracts, and then get ready for what will be always a fast-paced, crazy free agent uh, period. A.J. Hawk, Reggie Bush, there are a few others. Any surprises here as far as high-priced veterans getting let go by teams? Not really. I mean, maybe Reggie Bush to a certain degree because you're not really talking about a big number. Now, of course, you know, they've got to clear out a big number if they have to franchise and Dominican Sue because you're talking about $26.6 million. But, you know, Bush's contract was only $4 million a year. Now, the way running backs are being paid, that's top dollar for running backs, you know, unless you're going to be DeMarc, uh, DeMarco Murray. But overall, a little surprised that they let him go because, you know, he was so valuable as far as being a kind of a explosive type of back, a guy catching the ball out of the backfield and so a little surprised by that but overall I mean they're pretty predictable because you, you knew that Brad Jones and A.J. Hawk were kind of replaced in many ways by Clay Matthews and Sam Barrington two inside linebackers you know Clay playing a little bit from outside to inside now so you know it's just a matter that as you get deeper into your contract sometimes they become more vulnerable to get cut. Some of the mechanics this time of year, John, are hard to follow, even for avid NFL football fans. And I know folks down here that follow the Saints and the NFL in general probably have a somewhat of a difficult time sorting out the phases here in the offseason calendar, and they keep hearing about March 10th. Will you explain why that date is so important? 
March 10th technically is the beginning of a new business year for the National Football League. And so they start to turn the books on the 214 season and then move to 215. That opens up, you know, the ability to start making trades, that opens up the ability to start signing free agents, and then everything starts to count after that. And so, you know, before it had been that uh, they would have it right after the combine or very close to the combine toward the end of February. But just to get a bit, a little bit of breathing room, give teams the ability to kind of review their cap because it comes up so quickly. I mean, if you're at a Super Bowl at the beginning of February and the next thing you know, in about three weeks, you're starting to cut your team and start to work on free agency. There's no time to breathe. So this is kind of the breathing period now until March 10th. But March 10th starts about everything because a whole new business cycle starts for 215. So when you have these players released like we're seeing and we just mentioned uh, john is this really the cleaning of the closet here for nfl teams from now until march 10th it is because i mean at that day too you need to be under the cap and that's why you know a team like the saints has to restructure some contracts and make a few tough decisions to get under the cap which they will i mean everybody does get under the cap i mean since the cap has been around you know there's a big penalty if you don't get under it and there hasn't been a team that's been over the cap uh, since what 1993 so that's just the reality of things and so you know there's time to be able to do it and like anything else if you're doing a negotiation you know a deadline does you know prompt decisions whether it's going to be you know one that's favorable to the team or not favorable to the player or whatever it is and so you know it's gearing up to that time right now and you're going to start to see you know the saints being very active they've been active i mean they've already resigned about three or four players so far and uh you know whether it's going to be luke mccown or paris harrelson or shane graham so uh you know they've been busy but they're going to get busier yeah i know some fans down here just got scared to death when they saw the for the headline the other day that the saints quote-unquote, have the worst cap situation in the NFL. Um, but yet it seems Mickey Loomis has a history, John, of making that go away. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's so much easier now. No, I mean, not, not that anything is too easy, but it's easier because, you know, it's a matter that, uh, you know, you can plan so far in advance. But, you know, technically you really can't get to the bottom line of what you're going to do until you know exactly what the cap number is. And at the moment, the cap's not uh, really set yet. That's in negotiation as we speak between the Players Association and the NFL as they try to at least come to a cap. And, you know, I'm sure that from the league standpoint, they've notified teams it's going to be somewhere around 140, 141.8, but I think we all realize it's going to be bigger than that, whether it's going to be 143 million or 145 million, which is the upside of what can be done. So don't be surprised if it's 145, and that's huge because now you're talking for Mickey. It gives them you know, 3 or $4 million of extra room that they didn't anticipate maybe two months ago. If there's that different scenario then, John, what's the word around the league or at least the feeling of what might have to be shed here with regard to the New Orleans Saints? Uh, is it too early to tell, or are there names on the radar that are of legitimacy? Well, I mean, I think some decisions have to be made at the guard position because you're talking about two of the higher-priced guards and Ben Grubbs and uh, Jari Evans, and can they sustain that? You know, uh, restructuring or uh, reducing of some of the salaries, that might happen, but something has to happen there. You know Drew Brees will restructure his contract. You know, a decision or a restructure has to be done on Marcus Colston. But, you know, the, the success of the team over the many years has put, you know, cap numbers at a high level. I mean, that's what happens when you pay for top level players and then you start to now get to the point okay where do we change it do we adjust it what do we try to do and that's what Mick, mickey's doing right now trying to crunch those mum- numbers and make those decisions along with sean payton speaking of sean payton uh, coach payton says he'd like to see mark ingram back for next season is that realistic 
I think it is, yeah. I mean, because just, uh, you know, what number can he get in free agency? And I think you saw last year that with all the running backs that were available, nobody did better than $4 million a year. And that's a respectable number for Mark uh, if he's willing to do that. Now, you know, he's got to gauge his market, see what, uh, you know, he can get. But, I mean, if you're going to be the Saints, I mean, it's not out of line to come up and do a two-year $8 million deal or three years at $12 million, you know, if they want to go that high. So, you know, it's a, it's a manageable number if they wish to be able to do it. And I think he wants to come back, and I think they want him to come back. John Clayton with us here on the Black and Blue Report. John, we're just clear of the combine. I get lost in with the combine. I mean, there's so many measurables, interviews, and everything else. Um, help me just get a good takeaway or two from this year's combine. Well, it's it's a good draft. I mean, it's not a great draft. Last year was a little bit better. 2011 was kind of the gold standard. You know, 2013 uh, was probably not as good. So what you can see is it's very strong at certain positions. Now, there's some positions that are now chronically not good right now. Safety, that's been a bad position for the last couple of years. You can see that, uh, you know, there's going to be some, but not all. It's not a very deep group. It's not very deep at inside linebacker. It's not very good at the tight end position for the second straight year. But let's talk about that. And also very shaky after the top two quarterbacks, although I think the quarterbacks, the way they threw on Saturday, they helped their stock. But still, there's a lot of questions after you start talking the top two quarterbacks. But let's go on the positive side. Wide receiver, I mean, last year, the best wide receiver class maybe in NFL history or at least one of the best, this year is not as almost as good. Mm-hmm. It's different because you're looking at a lot of guys 6'1 to 6'3 to 6'5 that can run. I mean, this group can run, they can catch, they've got height. That's encouraging. It's a good tackle draft this year, you know, deep into maybe the second or third round. It's very good at the running back position. Not that there's great running backs. I mean, there's one in Melvin Gordon, and then you got another great one in Todd Gurley coming off an ACL. But you may have as many as 12 backs go in the first three rounds. And so that's a good position. It's exceptional as far as pass rushers, defensive linemen, linebackers on the outside. You know, so there may be as many as nine front seven guys going in the front front 20. So it's a, it's a pretty good draft if you need pass rush, a blocking tackle, a wide receiver, and uh, maybe a running back. Wow, okay. All right, so let's take some Saints needs here, John, and couple that with the fact that they at the moment pick at 13 in the first round. Can Mickey Loomis and company hit a home run in their first pick? I would think so, yeah. It's a good position to be in, particularly you know, if they do want to go in the front seven on the defense. Uh, you know, there, there may be a spot there if they want to take a cornerback because there's about one cornerback that could go in that spot. You know, if they do want to go wide receiver as successful as they were last year, you know, they can get a different, taller type of wide receiver. So, no, I think it fits pretty well. And if there are any openings on the offensive line, you know, they can satisfy that. So 13 is a good spot for the Saints to be in. You want to uh, hazard a guess on who will be the first or the second quarterback taken? Well, I think it's easy to say that uh, Jameis Winston is going to be number one. Lovey Smith has liked him all along, which, of course, makes it interesting because now that would be the fourth top quarterback in this division. But, uh, you know, he really solved a lot of things at the Combine. I mean, first off, Lovey's liked him for a month. And that's the guy that he's been leaning toward taking. And so what did uh, Winston do? He threw the ball very well. He did well on the chalkboard. He did well on interviews. He really helped his stock to a point where now more teams recognize that he's number one, and then Marcus Mariota is number two. 
the debate is the Senate Tennessee take him at number two or not, and it appears they will not. And so can he fall to number six to the Jets? Possibly. Or could he just basically uh, somebody trade up for him at two, three, or four? But Mariota is pretty much the second quarterback. He ran a 4-5-2. His throwing style very similar, not maybe not as strong as an arm, but very similar to Colin Kaepernick. John, what's the biggest storyline in your eyes that isn't talked about just yet? That's right there under the surface. Well, the biggest story right now is probably the brewing story out in Los Angeles about the possibility of one or two teams. You know, from what I was hearing at the Super Bowl, there really was a scenario there that they could have had the two teams, Oakland and San Diego, in Los Angeles over in Carson this year, which, of course, that would cause Stan Kroenke some problems because, you know, he's going ahead and trying to build his stadium to try to move the Rams out there by next year. So, I mean, that's that's a big one because it has a lot of meat to it. Now, we'll see where it goes as far as San Diego trying to keep the Chargers. We'll see where it goes as far as Oakland trying to keep the Raiders. It doesn't look good for the Rams staying in St. Louis. So you put all those things together, and I think that's that's a brewing story because, you know, you can have maybe different factions of owners kind of not happy with each other if they're supporting one or the other group. So I think that's a big story that's brewing. You know, David Stern, when he was commissioner of the NBA, almost see, uh, saw teams moving from a market as a stain. It, he worked very hard to prevent it, if all possible, a, a market losing a team. Uh, where do you think Roger Goodell stands on this issue? He stands in the very same vein, too. I mean, they really, and I think you saw it a few years ago when Tom Benson wanted to move the team to San Antonio, that he stood up and said, no, we're not going to let that happen. And Roger's trying to prevent that from happening. And that's why he's trying to work with the people in St. Louis to see if there's a way to keep the uh, Rams in St. Louis. And he's working to try to see if San Diego can keep the Chargers. No, he, he's very adamant, as most of the owners are, particularly on the committee on relocation to try to not have relocation. They want teams to stay where they are, but there are realities here. You've got three cities right now with tenants that have one year on their lease, and there's no movement right now in California for new stadiums. Uh, there may be some in San Diego. So with that reality there, you know, they might just have to accept that one or two teams might move. You never take a day off. When are you going to do that? When are you going to have a little uh, vacation, John Clayton? Uh, maybe June. <laughs> maybe I can't see it before then, unfortunately. So for a guy like you that travels everywhere, do you even travel when you look for a little vacation? Yeah, what I started to do in the last couple of years, and I think I'm going to I like it because it's a, it's a nice quick flight, is just fly down to Santa Monica and uh, try to just go by the beach in June. Now, you go in June, it's like the, the June swoon. It's like it's not a little cloudy and but it's like it's a great place to go. But that's about the only chance. And then you know, it gives me a couple of days away from the computer, and then I'm back on the salary cap. <laughs> that's amazing. John, hey, you're so busy. We really appreciate it. I really, really thank you for your time today. Okay, thanks. Yep, John Clayton from ESPN. we got some good stuff there on the NFL. We'll continue here on the Black and Blue Report in just a moment. I'm Chip Chapman, here on the street asking people what they would do with a $40 million Powerball jackpot from the Louisiana Lottery. I'd fly to Italy to go shoe shopping with my girlfriends. I'd invest it, of course. I could double that money in no time. And you, sir. I'd buy me a vacation home on my own private island in a new sports car and a golden hot tub. That's quite enough from you, sir. Play Powerball at any Louisiana Lottery retailer. Starting jackpot, $40 million. Must be at least 21 to purchase. 
I'm Tom Richards. I'm 35 years old, vice president of sales at a regional paper company. Six months ago, we decided to transition to one of those cool collaborative open space offices. So now I sit in the open next to three other sales managers, which means there's nothing separating me from... (coughs) Not getting Carl's nasty cold and missing a sales opportunity this winter? That is my purpose. Blend it now. Try the new Immune Builder Smoothie at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to stay healthy this winter. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Again, our thanks to John Clayton for joining us today. We only get better here as Doug Mouton steps in for the first time ever, making his inaugural visit here on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, it's it's a, it's a no appointment radio, Doug. No television camera here. Are you cool with that? Yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to be okay, although I am super nervous to be on my first Black and Blue Report. Report. I can understand that. I, I get that reaction from a lot of folks. Uh, <laughs> did you ever do any radio earlier in your career? No, not really. I mean, I've done a little bit here and there, but I started out on TV 27 years ago, and I've pretty much done TV all the way through. How'd you get in? I mean, I, I, I guess I need to learn a little bit more about you. Where are you from originally? I, I'm a, I grew up in New Orleans East. I'm originally from New Orleans, and I went to UNO, and I interned at Channel 6 after I graduated from college because I had a full-time job while I was in college. I interned at Channel 6 for Buddy Diliberto and got my first job in Rapid City, South Dakota, and uh, and went from there. Now, I bounced back from sports. I did sports for the first 10 years, but I bounced back and forth between sports and news jobs. I've been in news management, um, but in all honesty, this is sort of – what I always wanted to do. And if you had asked me in 1988 when I first started out what would be the ultimate job for you, it would be I would have said, you know what, Jim Henderson's got the best job in America as the sports director of the biggest station in New Orleans. So that, that would have been my goal then. I, I never really wanted to work nationally. I always wanted to come back to New Orleans, and um, I, I'm in the spot that I – sort of wished I was in when I started out 27 years ago, so that's a good thing. Yeah, you're kind of living a dream, and I know the Mackles feel the same way, Lee Zurich too. There are, we do have the luxury in this city to have some of our own uh, now leading the way with regard to uh, covering our teams, and I think, Doug, the the, uh, the misconception here is that you all uh, just seemingly grew up in New Orleans and boom, now you get to work in New Orleans. Uh, many of you had to go elsewhere first. Oh, yeah, no question about it. And the ones that you mentioned, all of us certainly did. And I consider myself good friends with both Lee Zurich and with both Mackles. And, yeah, I went to South Dakota, then Lake Charles, up into Pensacola. And this was actually my second tour of duty in New Orleans. I came here in the 90s and actually produced a Saints show called Saints Sideline. A lot of people remember the show. I would report on the show, but it was my show. I produced it. Ed Daniels was our uh, was our host, and we did that show from 91 to 95. Then I had to leave again uh, in order to come back. And then I came back in 2000, and we decided this is just where we wanted to be, and then got an opportunity at Channel 4 after Katrina in 06. I was the North Shore Bureau Chief, uh, and I did news, and I enjoyed it. And then when Jim Henderson retired in 2012, I applied for this job, and I just got lucky. Just right guy, right place at the right time, and it worked out great. And now uh, it's been a blast to, to be the sports director at Channel 4 for the last couple of years. So how's it changed, though? I mean, look at look at the landscape, late 80s until now. Um, you mentioned Jim Henderson and what 
he was able to do. Look, from 88 to now, uh, the, the pie has been sliced a few ways. How do you all at, at WWL specifically stay ahead of the sports scene when sports fans now have so many different options, Doug? Yeah, there are a lot of choices. Um, and I, we, we have some advantages at Channel 4. Channel 4 um, is still, uh, we still do very well in the ratings every day. We try to cover everything as best we can. Um, we have a good staff. Um, we work hard at it. Um, there's a great tradition at Channel 4 of doing it. We try to cover all local sports as best we can. Um, I don't think there's any magic to it. You just work as hard as you can to do the best job you possibly can. Um, it, we, we've been lucky to this point. It, you know, it's, a, it's a great station. They, they sort of put you in a position to succeed. And as we look for new people, which we have been in the last few months, We've had a little bit of a turnover. Um, that, that's the one thing that I tell candidates is that we will always put you in a position to succeed. If you can do the job, the, the analogy that Mike Hoss likes to use is we have a car and it's running. All we need you to do is get in and drive it. We will give you all the pieces. And, and, and the station, more than anything, and I wish I could quantify that, they put themselves in a position to succeed. And that's not just in sports, that's in everything. You see the Mardi Gras coverage. Um, I, I'm very proud of the Mardi Gras coverage. There's a ton of people who watch it online across the world. Um, it, everything is put in a position to succeed. It's, it's uh, from the top down. It's just a well-run machine. How does New Orleans get away with being an NFL, an NBA, and a major college market all at the same time? And I think, what, market number 48, something like that? 51, yeah. 51. No, it's, it's New Orleans is definitely a unique market that way. We are... Uh, you could call us the smallest of the big markets. Uh, there, there's a New Orleans is not the same television market as when I started. When I started interning, it was market 33, and those things do matter. That matters more than anything just from a financial standpoint. It matters from a national advertising standpoint. When you're market 33, you bring in revenues that are different than market 51. The, uh, the percentage, uh, the types of money coming in aren't as big as you get to smaller markets. Um, New, or New Orleans has been able to do it. I mean, the, the, the Saints' success and the, the way the Saints have sold out the Superdome is, is certainly unusual. The Saints are in great shape. Um, the Pelicans are, you know, certainly doing well now, and, and it's something that I am perpetually watching is how the Pelicans are doing, whether New Orleans – um, is a is a two sport two major league sport town at market fifty one. Yeah, that's incredibly unusual. I, I mean, obviously, I love it. I, I I've enjoyed covering the Pelicans this year like never before, and um, it's just lucky at this point. What do you make of the Pelicans following at this point? Has it has it found some footing, uh, or are we still a ways away? Yeah, I, I, I think both. I think it's found some footing, and I think Anthony Davis. Um, leads the way on that. I, he is such, uh, I don't know, first of all, just an, an outrageously talented player, and not just the talent, but, the, but the, the level of effort that he plays with for somebody as talented as him. And maybe long-term that's going to not be the best. He's going to get nagging injuries because he plays so hard. He is so easy to rally behind because because he's a likable guy and he plays so hard and he is immensely talented and 
personally, I think he's at a different level than even when Chris Paul was here. Um, I think the team has certainly found a footing this year, and I sincerely believe they have put themselves in a position to really find a footing next year. I've been, you know, pleasantly okay with the with the attendance and the uh, how they've done this year, the support. I, I do hear more people talking about the Pelicans this year, certainly than in the last five. The last five haven't been very good. But I, I do feel like the team is gaining traction. You know, it's, it, it's, been, it's been a while since they've been here. I sure hope that continues. I, I hope that I'm seeing it rationally because I want it to happen. But, but I think it sort of is. It's, it's nothing like the Saints, and it probably never will be. Um, but I do absolutely see the team gaining attraction this year that it hasn't had maybe yet. Can there be some kind of a tradition? You know, I think probably one of my favorite things about living here is on Friday everybody wears black and gold. I just think that's the coolest thing uh, going. And I know it's not unique to just New Orleans, but, you know, it's it's pretty special. Will there be any – maybe it's Anthony Davis. Uh, maybe it will take a deep playoff run. But it, can there be a Pelicans tradition at some point? Yeah, well, I, I certainly absolutely think there can be. The, the, the thing with those kind of things, though, is they can't, you can't force them. You can't – uh, you can't market those kind of things. You know what I mean? You can't you can't advertise and tell people to do it and grow it that way. Those things have to sort of come up organically. And with the Saints, you know, Katrina did so much to not not that the Saints weren't that look, my dad was an original season ticket holder for the Saints. He had he bought tickets in sixty seven. I started going in sixty nine as a little kid um, to Saints games. And, and there was a tradition literally instantly with the Saints because it was such a football-hungry city and, and at the time, a much bigger city, and then, bang, you put a team. The, the Pelicans are not quite like that. They're, they're going to play second fiddle, and it, it seems like the team has done a better job of accepting that and sort of playing that can be a strength. But, yeah, I absolutely think it can be. How that evolves, I, I don't know yet, but there's no doubt that you can have traditions. And it, what's funny is after the Jazz left, people sort of mourned what was sort of getting started. And look, I remember going to the Superdome and seeing Pete Maravich play. Um, it, but it, it wasn't until after they left that people saw that. And, and I, I'm hoping that people are starting to feel it now. How those traditions sort of evolve, I don't know yet. But, but I, absolutely, I think it's possible. Yeah, fair enough. Um, hey, before I let you go, I know that we talk Saints and Pelicans here all the time. I mean, that's the building I'm in, and it's probably sure. the two biggest entities that you have to cover. But let's not forget the prep sports because I think we're, we, we're about to cycle into a pretty cool soccer-slash-basketball round for them, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. The soccer, we've, we've got nine local teams playing for state championships Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, the high school basketball here uh, has been has been a fun year, especially on the girls' end. Kalani Brown, PJ Brown's daughter, is a is a, a a girls' basketball player like I have never seen before in my life, and and she is going to be a big name Olympic type player. I have no doubt about that. 
Yeah, the high school sports here, and that's one of the things about covering New Orleans, especially when you get to football, the talent that you see just in, and there's to me there's nothing more pure than high school football. I have seen at least a hundred kids play in high school that would later go on to play in the NFL. And Keenan Lewis and I have had this discussion. Keenan was not even close to being the most talented guy on his high school team. Hmm. It's not always the the pure talent guys that make it to the NFL. Keenan was a little bit of a late bloomer and and worked incredibly hard and and is now a Pro Bowl caliber NFL player. And I did an O. Perry Walker game, and I was the play-by-play guy, and I didn't even have an asterisk by his name. (laughs) Like, he wasn't even one of the highlighted eight guys on his team. And uh, so covering high school sports in New Orleans is great. And look, it's one of the one of the television markets where our high school football show, and we can show it, we can quantify it, does a, does a terrific rating every week and has for the last couple of years. So um, there's big interest in that and, and ridiculous talent in that. And part of the beauty of covering sports in New Orleans is getting to cover high school sports because there's terrific coaching and ridiculously good athletes. Yeah, well said. Uh, one more question before I let you go. Um, if I could grant you one interview of someone you've never interviewed in our market, what would you want to get your hands on most? Oh, wow. Boy, that's a good question. I, and I can tell you this. In my entire – in 27 years, the one time I could say I was legitimately incredibly nervous for an interview was the first time I interviewed Archie Mann. Mm, I because know feeling. <laughs> he was my high – he was my, my – when I was eight years old, he came to New Orleans to be the quarterback. So he, I had this childhood. I remember my hand literally shaking as I was interviewing Archie Manning. And I have since, you know, I've, I've, I, I, I talked to Michael Jordan and Emmett Smith and many of the great players of, of sports in the last 30 years that never would even think about being nervous to them. But with Archie Manning, my hand was literally shaking because you can never look at somebody like that again. You know what? I, I can't think of it. I'm drawing a blank, Sean Kelly, and I apologize. But I don't have a great answer for you right now. Okay. I don't have one. Um, e- even if we don't do it on the Black and Blue Report, if it if it hits you, I want to know about it. Text me, <laughs> yes, run into me at the game, yeah, and say, absolutely. I remember now. Yes. Perfect. Um, I hope you'll do this again with us. Anytime, Sean. Very good. He's uh, very good as well, of course, as the sports director at WWL Television. Uh, And, yes, I think he does a fair and balanced uh, to the Pelicans, the Saints, and the Preps and our college scene as well. That's Doug Mouton, by the way, who is uh, one of the, I think, most highly sought-after rubber chicken circuit guys. Uh, Is that correct, Doug? I'm not even sure what that means. Well, you know what I mean. MC this, MC that. Come oh, be our host. Oh, the MC crowd. Yeah, oh. yeah. Yeah. You know why? Because my price fits into everybody's budget. <laughs> if it's a legitimate charity, people will ask me, "What do you charge?" And I say, "I can't charge you anything." So I think at zero, people call me. <laughs> I think it's more because my price fits into the budget. I try to do as many as I can. Um, it, it's been difficult this spring as we look for a couple of new uh, sports people, but. But but I try to help out as much as I can. Yeah, I do. I do a lot of those kind of things. And speaking of new sports people, Lions Yellen, is that correct? Yeah, Lions has moved over. He was our web guy. Uh, he is now uh, a full time sports reporter for us on television, which is great. A New Orleans guy, super knowledgeable at the local scene. Um, 
So so having Lions on is is great, and then we're going to hire a new weekend anchor within the next month, um, and and then we'll be fully staffed again and, and ready to roll. Not, and certainly the position we're in now is nothing unusual or different for TV. It's just a sort of a natural evolution of TV. A lot of people stay, and then some people come and go. At TV. All right. Well, as long as you don't go anywhere, we'll appreciate that. So, Doug, thank you very much. Thanks, Sean. You got it. Doug Mouton from WWL with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Back to wrap up today's show in just a moment. Be at the Smoothie King Center to see your New Orleans Pelicans take flight this Friday, February 27th at 7 p.m. when the Miami Heat come to town. The first 5,000 fans receive a free Pelican scarf courtesy of Smoothie King. The Pelicans Fest pregame block party tips off the fun at 530 with music, inflatable games for the kids, and a whole bunch more. Tickets are limited. Going fast. Visit pelicans.com to get your seats today. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. He must be a big deal since he's verified on Twitter. He's Sean Kelly, and this is the Black and Blue Report. Basketball on your radio tonight. No, not a game, but the Monty Williams Radio Show is available on WWL-FM locally in the New Orleans Metro. That's at 8 Central tonight. That's 30 minutes of Pelicans basketball centered around our weekly conversation with head coach Monty Williams, of course. And then tomorrow night, 7 o'clock tip-off at the Smoothie King Center. Full coverage on the Pelicans Radio Network. Television provided by ESPN tomorrow night. Uh, So a national audience for the Pelicans, but of course a local flavor on your radio. See how I did that, Daniel? Very nice. Thanks again to John Clayton from ESPN, Doug Mouton from WWL Television for being our guest here today. Hope you have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. Tomorrow's show should be a dandy as well on the Black and Blue Reports. Do we say Bob Lanier? Do we? Oh, I already said it. We're hoping for Bob Lanier tomorrow. That'll be fantastic. Uh, also, we may get to know Norris Cole a little bit better on tomorrow's program. And Mike Inglis, the voice of the Miami Heat, uh, to get us the latest on that ball club, specifically maybe the Chris Bosh situation. And, of course, since he just saw the Pelicans this past Saturday in Miami as the two teams will wrap up their series and series here tomorrow night. With that being said, goodbye, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly, and we'll see you next time right here on the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.